welcome. Let's talk about urban planning. How do global economic structures shape the everyday experiences of people in the cities? I have invited Sander van Lennon from the University of Groningen to tell us how the global financial crisis shaped austerity policies in Ireland and how these policies affected young people in disadvantaged neighborhoods. And what can we learn from the Irish case? I'm Rodrigo Silva. Let's talk about urban planning. Sander, welcome to our episode. Thank you. Happy to be here. Tell us a bit about the importance of your study, because some years have passed since the global financial crisis, but well, consequences still endure and lessons are still to be learned. Yes, exactly. Indeed, the, the global financial crisis is more than a decade um, away from us. The period of austerity implementation is also almost a decade away, decade away from us, at least from the most um, direct implementations. But I think it is important to remember that those transformations that have been brought in, the transformations to policy, but also to public space, the way uh, cities are being managed, the way services in cities are being financed, are still with us today. And they kind of put the groundwork of what future urban development, future urban governance looks like. So therefore, I think it remains important to, to study what happened in those years. But of course, the more we move away from that period, it becomes important to, to investigate how that shapes where we currently are and how it shapes urban possibilities now and in the future. Mm -hmm. What was missing specifically in the research that you wanted to understand? Yes, when I started this research, which was already back in back in 2013, so that's it was also quite a while ago. Ireland was in the middle of had uh, this harsh, this fierce austerity regime being uh, being implemented, and at the time there was a lot of attention to the impact of austerity in the crisis on young adults. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I noticed was that this was specifically on young adults that more or less had opportunities available to them. So a lot was about students that had an outlook on having a good job. Uh, suddenly working you know, in jobs that were considered not so good for someone that studied, right? So less highly skilled jobs and people moving abroad again, people not being able to find houses or not being able to buy houses anymore. And within this whole narrative, I started thinking, but what about young adults that maybe were not so fortunate to begin with, that maybe never really had those positive outlooks that, for example, students, students had? So that's when I decided to focus on, well, more youths that experiences more poverty, more social exclusion. And being a geographer, I, of course, also wanted to add a spatial component. And that's why I decided to look at disadvantaged urban neighborhoods and ended up studying two of Ireland's most disadvantaged neighborhoods. So Nokmihimi in Cork and um, Ballymun in... in. Um, and I think in that, what I was interested in or, or, or kind of struggled with during my studies is that, of course, on the one hand, you can go into these neighborhoods and, and, and ask what, what, what's changing in people's lives, uh, what services close, what things they struggle with on a day-to-day -day basis. And that gives you one part of an understanding of what austerity does in urban spaces. Uh, but on the other hand, I, I felt it would be a bit flat if you do this without investigating at the same time where these austerity measures come from, mm -hmm. why they are being implemented. Um, at the national scale, at the, at, at the municipal scale, but also how they relate to, to global financial um, mm -hmm. developments, political and economic development. So I think my two challenges were to see that kind of overarching change in relation to the everyday and the relation of the everyday to the overarching structural developments. And on the other hand, to look into this group that 
as I felt, was not getting um, enough attention yet and was kind of being a bit undersnowed by the attention of more middle-class youths that had their opportunities reduced perhaps to what they, what they mm-hmm. expected without downplaying the importance of that dynamic too. Sure. Promising. So let us know about the most important highlights, the findings of your study. Yeah. So I think one of the most important highlights, both of this paper, but also the wider project as a whole, is that when you look at the everyday influence of austerity in disadvantaged urban neighborhoods in Ireland, and especially young adults, uh, you see that there are three main spheres in which austerity is being experienced. That's work and income. So basically people getting less income, either from work or welfare. That's housing, especially people trying to move out of their parental house and not being able to find affordable or suitable housing and all the consequences that has. And the other is a decline in service availability or at least a restructuring in service availability in these neighborhoods, uh, which means that either people uh, cannot access training, but also not access, for example, sport or music facilities that they used to have access, access to. What I then did, so I got these three main spheres out of interviews with young adults from Noknahimi in Cork and Ballymun in, in Dublin. I then started looking what happened in these spheres at both national policy and how that was related to preceding policy and um, uh, how that was related to austerity and these overarching political and economic develop- developments, such as the global financial crisis, the involvement of the IMF, the European Central Bank, in the name of the Troika in in, in in Ireland, and started to yeah kind of see through how these different skills relate to each other. So so how does what happens at a global scale relate to what's being implemented at the national scale, and ultimately how that translates into what happens in the neighborhoods, and then there shapes the everyday livelihoods, experiences, and practices of young mm-hmm. young adults. Mm-hmm. So. We, you have mentioned uh, in a nutshell, less income, less housing, declining service availability and some connection between national and the neighborhood. So tell us a bit about in all this, some policy consequences or community led initiatives, individual action. So in practice, what does that mean? I think that in practice, sometimes you see that urban planners or other professionals that tend to deal with issues at the local scale, you can Apart from planners, also think about social work organizations or medical organizations. And I've also seen that in other research projects myself. I can learn from this that um, it is always important to connect what's happening at national and international scale to what they see at the local level in order to understand how their local interventions might interact with, for example, a national austerity program being, being handed out, being implemented, or international changes in, for example, job market structures or um, economic fortune. So how can local interventions, can they kind of be like a shock, a shock buffer, a buffer to these more larger scale developments, or will they amplify them? Mm -hmm. And I think what also can be interesting, both in practice and in research, is to at some point turn it around. So what I did in this paper was to kind of work down skills, right? So I started at the international level, uh, investigated how it influenced the uh, national uh, government decision and how that influenced restructuring in the neighborhood and how youth in the neighborhood responded to that and experienced that. I think in the future, we can also think about if there is a local intervention. For example, here in the area, there is a new elderly care cooperative started. In what ways can these type of initiatives start to work upwards? Can they, for example, set an example that might end up influencing national policy maybe eventually international uh, relations between care providers, uh, international learning. 
or maybe they might reshape relationships between people and institutions that will ultimately work through these different skills and also start to Im influence other neighborhoods, other cities, other countries as well. And I think I, try I started to tease out this so-called embedded comparative approach in this paper as one framework in which, which this can be investigated, both as analysis, right, to see how what happens locally relates to what happens nationally and internationally, but also perhaps as, as, an, as an approach and a tool for, for change, to think about how we can do something at the local scale. I noticed that with my students quite a bit, right? They might have a desire to implement change, but then sometimes feel restricted by kind of the, the local influence that a planner can have. And mm. hopefully this can be a bit of a tool to think about what can happen locally that maybe can have wider uh, reverberations mm. throughout cities and, and the world. Perfect. You mentioned a lot about the future. So let's look a bit into the future, but academically. So what should be the focus yeah. of future research? Other groups than young adults or students? But you're a geographer, so other special contexts. Yeah. So what's ahead of us? Yeah, I think what I would really like to do, this is part of one of my challenges to think about what I would call a spatial political economy of everyday life. Political economy of everyday life is a discipline that really tries to connect what's happening in global political econom economies to everyday, mainly household experiences and practices. And I think I'm really interested in what that looks like or what type of geography there is to that. So how does do space and place influence um, this relationship between the stru structural and the, uh, and the everyday? So ways in which I would like to expand that in the future is, for example, making a comparison between different welfare states, for mm -hmm. example, comparing like a maybe traditional social democratic welfare states like the Netherlands with a more liberal welfare state like Ireland with a more southern conservative uh, welfare state in southern Europe and maybe post-socialist welfare states elsewhere to see how, for example, the notions of culture or kind of remnants of how things used to be organized or are currently organized influence in what way global political developments touch down in the cities and the neighborhoods in which we live mm -hmm. and thereby shape and uh, inform the things we experience every day, the things we do every day, and how that transforms in a changing world. Mm -hmm. Some important tips for future research. Yep. Sander, if we could shorten our more or less 10-minute conversation in one or two sentences, what would it be? Let me think about that for a few seconds. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's not an easy one. No, and happy is not life, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think there is two, two lessons that I really want to stress. That is, we cannot understand everyday experiences and everyday practices without also understanding what's happening at uh, the level of national politics and international um, economies. So in order to get a full grasp of what's happening in our cities, we need to understand both. And even better, we need to connect both. And in my paper, I try to make that argument using austerity as an, as an example to see how kind of roll out, roll back, roll out neoliberalism processes at the national scale and the local scale, interact with each other mm. to create locally specific outcomes. Sander, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. This podcast is powered by Cogitatio Press. You can listen to this episode on the Let's Talk About Urban Planning website, on Cogitatio Press YouTube channel, and whatever you get your podcast. <laughs>